Alternative Radio. Fellas. Mm. Uh. Hey, how's it, how's it going? Uh, you're you're Chevy's agent, aren't you? That that's that's right, Chevy Chase. I I hear, I hear another SNL movie is coming around the horn, and uh, I don't know. Well, I'm sure you guys know Chevy Chase, major SNL alum. I'm mm. assuming uh, you just forgot to call and you've got some big role for, you know, America's Sweetheart. I'm here to find out what it is. Uh, you know, casting just got a got a little ahead of us. So, uh, you yeah. know, there's really not there's, you know, we're pretty much full up right now. There's, and, you know, I mean, we'll we'll get him on the next one. We'll get we'll get him on, uh, you know, Church Lady, the movie or whatever. Yeah, we were actually kind of trying to, you know, keep the cast as expansive. We're trying to get as many generations of SNL into the movie. Open it up. Open it up. Yeah, you know, it's you not know, just going to be just, so, just original know. cast. I mean, of course, we've got Dan and Jane because they've, mm-hmm. you know, they originated the whole thing. And and uh, we've actually managed to, you know, work Lorraine in with a, a nice, uh, cool nice cameo because she can't, okay. obviously, she's not going to play the daughter, right? I mean, and <laughs> Chevy so, couldn't play the daughter, that'd be, that'd obviously. Be that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, but sure, sure. But surely you could fit like one more original cast member in a little cameo, even if it's like five seconds, like some beloved cast member, huh? Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. We got to give yes. Garrett Morris a call. That, exactly, yeah. get him oh. on that's the phone. Right. I right. love Garrett that Morris. man. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about Garrett Morris. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay, come on. Uh, like guys, I, I somehow I got a copy of the script. I don't know how. I, it doesn't even look like it's finished. Oh, wait. No, it says finished. Okay, whatever. Um, I'm looking through, and uh, there's a role here. The High Master? That could be fun for Chevy. What SNL alum are you going to get to play him, huh? Dave uh, Thomas. Well, uh, well, yes, Dave Thomas. Uh, when we said SNL, we also included SCTV. Because, I mean, Lauren, he, he, wants, to, he wants to bridge not just the, the generational gaps of, of SNL, but he, he wants to bring in, like, you know, the, the SCTV, the guys who really – you know, did the nuts and bolts stuff to to kind of carry on that spirit of of Saturday Night Live, and even in a brighter fashion on SCTV. So, and he's a fellow Canadian. Lorne loves helping out his fellow Canadians. Yes. Okay. And guys. Ellen DeGeneres. Okay, guys, listen. I I get it. I get his reputation. I'm not dumb. You know, I I know he's not the easiest guy to work with. So, work with me here. You have you have a, a villain in this movie and 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 a sniveling sidekick even to that villain. I mean, either one of those, you're playing into the oh, chase oeuvre. You're and, gonna and love it, it because it, we got Michael McKean, because he's you know, he's part of the new and David Spade as well. I mean, it's it it it, it gets it bridges generational gaps while using current cast members. And you know what? We even we even went out of our way to get that Farley kid in there because that guy's hilarious. I think he's gonna be the next John Belushi. Okay. Okay. You know what? I just wait. Hang on a second. Hello. Just one second, guys. Hang tight. Hello. All right. Got nothing to do anyway. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. You know what? It's been a delight meeting with you, but I just found out I don't need you guys anymore. Chevy and I just hit the big time, baby. They gave him his very own talk show. Next, Johnny Carson. Money, roll on in. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, yeah. That, that'll gonna, last more than more than eight episodes. It's going to suck, but this is going to be great. That's when I'm on to prayer.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to an unintentional uh, theme week here, or theme two weeks here on What Were They Thinking, a podcast where we talk about bad to questionable movies. Um, Yes, we're again talking about Aliens, as we uh, talked about Mac and Me last week. Uh, I am, of course, uh, Brendan, uh, your co-host, one of your co-hosts, and joining me is the primat to my Beldar. that those are gibberish words. Is the, the Jane Curtain to my Dan Aykroyd. Okay. <laughs> Nathan, what up, pal? Uh, never had I ever thought I would long for the sweet embrace of Mac and me. <laughs> this movie. Uh, my, my, I like to do a little subtitle whenever I start taking my notes for these. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one is Coneheads. Christ help us. Oh, right. wow. Even our Lord and Savior could do nothing to save us from this thing. It's it's, it's enough to turn a man atheist, you might say. Um, and joining us, joining us, and uh, you can you can strike all your fervor at our guest as he he did once again suggest a movie for us. But um, joining us is the the most from the West Coast, the man with the plan, the uh, our the, intergalactic specialist. Yes, the Galen Howard. Hey, guys, what's happening? <laughs> what's up, jerks? <laughs> what's up, jerks? Oh, different show. Sorry. They're not going <laughs> to type on their style. Galen, you, uh, you're you here to talk about Coneheads with us. Yes, that is This is an episode that I said, hey, Ga- hey Galen, what'd be a good uh, summer movie to summer do? Summer blockbuster. If you come back. Summer blockbuster. Exactly. And, and pretty quickly, uh, yeah, and 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 just and still uh, recovering from the um, uh, from the delirious fever dream of comp and a half, I suggested Coneheads. <laughs> coneheads, yes. I blame um, I I blame cop and a half as you know we can blame most everything, most travesties of the world yeah. lie at the feet of cop and a half. So um, I, and then the rest of them uh, at Coneheads. So I would say that cop and a half is a subtler more nor- nuanced comedy more nuanced film yes le- uh, far less problematic and um <laughs> yeah. and uh, and um and less uh um and less corruptive for children right i would yeah. say cop and a half has more situations where i understand that they're making different jokes rather than one joke for 90 minutes oh 82 minutes right yeah. this film feels like they some someone wrote the 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 outline um in five minutes while on cocaine, then then gave it to thirty different people, and each person wrote uh, um, wrote their own scene, not mm-hmm. uh, you know with no with no knowledge of what anyone else was doing. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say this movie felt like somebody set gonorrhea to celluloid. <laughs> that too, that that works. Yeah. That works yeah. too. Both um, things yeah, can I, be I'm, correct. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure at least one of those writers had gonorrhea. Wow, that's a wild accusation. Are you saying that Bonnie Turner had gonorrhea? <laughs> oh, no. 
He's on record here, folks. I I could also believe that that this script gave someone gonorrhea. Co-creator of that 70s show, Bonnie Turner, has gonorrhea, says Galen Howard, famed uh, actor slash comedian. It's it's up on on TMZ right now. Slash performer. I, I, I never... I I never directly accuse Bonnie Turner. I'm sure she's a lovely person. Slash man, slash angel, slash soul. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm continuing to add to your resume. Oh oh right 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 yes yeah. I'm as well I'm I'm glad someone is. Pod, you forgot <laughs> hey. pod, you forgot podcast regular podcast, podcast regular. regular yeah yeah um so yeah, oh so, we were talking about coneheads yes <laughs> so I I did want to kind of know um I I mean. What's your history with Coneheads? Did you watch none. this thing when it came Absolutely out? Absolutely none. I I remember I wanted to see it, and I think I think by this point, uh, you know, after having sat through um cop cop and a half, my my parents were no longer taking um taking suggestions from me <laughs> for movies to watch. Good on them. So uh, yeah, good on them. So I I was not able to convince them to see Coneheads. So did um, they have? But so- I I you know I do feel like. I do feel like this is a movie I would have enjoyed as an 11 year old. Oh yeah. I met, I could just imagine, I'm just imagining your parents now being like, Oh, you know what? You know, put it in the suggestion box. We'll, we'll take a look. We'll shake it up right, real yeah. good. Maybe yeah. one day. This is a, mom, that's a paper shredder. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll still see it. <laughs> you in put it in. Pieces. You hear that. Yes. Just like all the tiny pieces that somehow assembled to make this movie. I did get to see this when it was first released on video. Oh, and wow. you're still here. Yeah. Well, I, at the time, well, you know, I was a teenager, a, right? Yeah, I was. I Ish, was yeah. uh, just really. No, I was a teenager at that point because I would have. I would have hit my teens in like '91. Uh, right. Right. Um. So, I definitely. I. I would have rented this because uh, I was getting really getting into Saturday Night Live because of Wayne's World. Exactly. Uh, Dana Carvey was hilarious. And, you know, the, the 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 comedy network up here at the time was actually rerunning old episodes of SNL. So I was getting kind of caught up on some of the, the stuff that I you know wasn't able to watch uh, when it was first aired. And I'd seen the Conehead sketches, and I knew Dan Aykroyd was a very funny man, or at least I thought he was until, you know, I got involved with this podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, they made him, they made Wayne's World movie, went to see it, great, loved it. But so now, now they're going to start making all these other up. Saturday Night Live movies. It's like, oh, this is great. And, uh, you know, Coneheads, that's hilarious. Dan Aykroyd's funny. Jane Curtin, she's hilarious. I can't wait. Oh man, even even at that young impressionable age, I was like, this is garbage. Like they told all the jokes in the first ten minutes, and then retold them again yeah. and again and, oh, again, again, and again, again and again and again. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, so if if you if you don't, my history with Coneheads is I saw this movie once. Um, I think only a few years ago, because I think I must have seen it earlier in life but like didn't remember anything so i said you know what it's always got this reputation as like this you know this movie that well flopped and uh you know one of those notorious like not the most notorious we haven't talked about it's pat yet but one of the most (laughs) notorious like snl you know sketches to movies 
And I thought, well, I mean, let's give it a shot. And I remember watching it a couple of years ago and just being like, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So, <laughs> so that's pretty much my only history with this. But before we go too much further, um, let's go into what can barely be described as the plot. Um, I'm going to just briefly break it down. Brent, if you please. Plot! Thank you. Um, so the movie concerns a, a family of aliens, uh, Beldar and Primat, played by uh, Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, who um, I th- they're in the middle of a mission to attack Earth, but unfortunately they crash into Earth and are forced to uh, assume the roles of a family, uh, just a middle class suburban family. Um, pr- uh, Primat is expecting. She's with Cone, as she with says, yes. which is like a, treated as like a major laugh line. Um, cause I think, it, yeah, I'll, I'll wait till we get to a bit more, but, yeah. but yeah, she's with Cone. Um, she's with child and, you know, eventually they have their daughter, Connie played by Michelle Burke, not Lorraine Newman, like the sketches, which is fair. I mean, Lorraine Newman is, you know, quite a bit older at this point, hard for her to play like a 17 year old, uh, daughter. But um, they're also dealing with Michael McKeon and David Spade, who work for, I guess, like immigration. Um, uh, like the, it's like it'd be like if Donald Trump worked for immigration. Like there's there's some pretty literally horrible is. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and had like no rule book. Um, they're also uh, they're also dealing with Connie is Connie. Their daughter is dealing with guys at school, inclu- including Chris Farley, who's always nice to see, even if it's in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they just kind of go through their lives. There's not really much of a plot until about an hour and two minutes into this 82 minute movie. So here we go. Hilarity ensues. Oh, they wished. Mm. <sighs> So guys, this is um this is bad. This is <laughs> it's not great. It's no. not great. It's mm. not great. Um, but there are so many like familiar faces in this movie. Everybody's in every, this movie. Yes. Yeah. This is like North level cameos. Oh yeah. Like every single scene where there's a new character, it's like oh. Michael Richards. Oh, Jan Hooks. Oh, Michael Adam Sandler. McKeon. Yeah, Adam yeah. Sandler playing the least Adam Sandlerish role I've ever seen him play. I, and I, he's he's outside not outside of like Punch Drunk Love. Right. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. Or Uncut Jazz. One of his, yeah, I, his dramatic turns. I actually yeah. think Punch Drunk Love is just his one of his comedy characters just turned a little bit. Right. I thought it yeah, was no, weird like, him this playing is in like that this, going in that direction. I. I, yeah, I, I, he rain over that, me then. <laughs> exactly. Yes. His. Yeah. yeah no. He, and and because of that, this this scene is is slightly watchable. Well, it's it's weird because like Adam Sandler in this movie, and I know we're jumping to the Adam Sandler scene, but Adam Sandler is it's, like it's one of the few bright lights in the because mm-hmm. it's not the same joke. Yeah, that's true. Well, right. well, there's there, not... it's di- it's dynamic. Yeah, yeah. they got that nice. There's an actual character dialogue there. going on. Yeah, there's an actual character there, and not just a a soulless vehicle for the same tired joke. Well, because at some and point, Simba. Adams Adam Sandler comes into the movie as like this guy who's basically going to get Beldar like a fake ID, essentially a fake. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. He, they, he helps them number. assume the assume the fa- the the family name DeChico. 
Yeah, Donald DeChico is going to be his name. And he's doing this thing where he's like, what's your name? He's like, uh, Donald DeChico. And he's like, oh, hey, it's Donnie. I haven't seen you in a while. Like, he's doing that kind of thing the whole time. It's just, it it, was, it, it worked. Like, it wasn't a, a bad scene or anything. Yeah. It wasn't a bad scene or anything. It just struck me as, um, as like, oh, this is early Adam Sandler because they don't quite know what to do with him yet. They don't like, know quite <laughs> what to do with him. They, pro- I mean, they probably let him improvise that whole scene as oh, yeah. much as Dan Aykroyd would allow. Not once did he utter the phrase Shabadoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Your name now is Habagookigo. <laughs> I would have you know what they should have done. Adam, Adam, could you please just stick to the script? You know I don't but, like that. Well, maybe that's something I should have been told yesterday. You know save what? That, Fuck save it. That for another film. SNL should have just made a movie based on the Hurley boy. Just that dumb, like, four-minute <laughs> sketch of Farley yelling and Sandler asking if he can watch someone's house. Just make yes. that into a movie. Or Opera Man. Opera Man. I would watch that. That might actually have Opera potential. Man the movie? Yeah. Sure. I mean, based on what I've heard, um, there's a series on YouTube right now where Conan and Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey are reading um, the Hans and Franz movie that never got made. And based on that script... It actually sounds pretty great. Like it actually sounds like it would have been really funny um, if it had if it had been what this script was. Wow. So but anyway. who who gets who, where is the blame? Whose feet is it laid at? Would you say this or it's Pat? Well, the I reason never, why that I movie never, never got made. I will never watch it's Pat. So I feel like it's Pat was before this. So I think Coneheads is the blame because they no, put no, a lot no, of no, money. It's Pat was no. It's Pat was ninety four. This was, was actually it? this was the this was the move. This was the after following the success of Wayne's World. This was this was the first of the slate of um of uh, SNL sketch inspired films. But I think it's Pat though was not a lot of stock was put into it not a lot of budget whereas i think coneheads they put a lot of money oh, yeah. 30 million dollars what was it 30 million Oof. 30 million is just the production budget though because Correct. think about oh, what yeah, the, the marketing for this movie oh yeah everywheres everywhere everywhere i couldn't go to like uh well this canadian aging me but i couldn't go to the it store without seeing <laughs> a wall of conehead shirts or mugs or what have you. It was the same thing they did when Wayne Wayne's World came out. Well, you and know? and the cross promotion they had with Subway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that they show it's funny because they show them eating Subway in the movie, and I'm like, oh, this is this is where the relationship starts. Right. Because right. <laughs> they had like sub because I, I even had for the longest time, and then I threw it out because it was it was it was getting too gross. But I had a I had a Subway Coneheads cup that I found. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it was not in great condition, but yeah, they they had they put a, a huge amount of money into this movie, and it bombed. Like it did oh, yes. really poorly in theaters, so much so that SNL even made fun of it themselves. Like they did sketches like making fun of it. They did a sketch called uh, "The New Coneheads," and it was like them basically like tr- making fun of themselves trying to modernize Coneheads. They had like. Uh, like they had like uh, one of them wearing like a clock around their neck, like Flava Flav. They, right. they had David Spade coming out and saying like, listen, we got all this Coneheads merch. We got to unload it. OK, we didn't make our money back. <laughs> I got to actually I have questions about the timings in this movie. OK, because the, the were this is you said 92, three, three, 90, 93, 93, 93. 
Okay, summer '93, not as catchy as the summer of '69, but still. Correct. Step moving forward. Yeah. That's when that's when Morbius came out, Nathan. <laughs> right. The daughter is supposed to be 17. Uh, yeah, yeah. High school that. age, yeah. 16, so, 17. So the the original stuff when you know uh, Primar. Primat. Like I'm talking about Primat. Primat. Okay, I feel like I'm talking about fucking Santa Claus conquers the Martians here. Yes. That stuff, when she was first pregnant, if they're aging a year like humans, mm-hmm. that whole st- that whole opening stuff should have been like 1976. Which which would it would make sense because that's when the sketches aired on SNL. So that's kind of in- that's kind of interesting. But yeah, but f- yeah, but there, there is no right. There is there is nothing indicating uh, the uh, directly the passage of time. Right. Where we begin, and, and where also we end up. when yeah. we meet. Uh, you know, fucking Dan Aykroyd's character, Beldar. When we meet Beldar in his job with Sinbad at the auto detailing oh, shop, and Sinbad. Eddie Griffin's yeah. there, you know, oh, commenting yeah. on how well they're doing. He's they've got him done up like a late '80s hip hop guy. Like yeah. he's got the overalls on, and you know, Sinbad and Eddie Griffin are there dressed like you know. Late 80s hip hop guys. Mm-hmm. So she's it's there's no the, the timing is super off. Well, they could have they could have easily explained that away by giving doing something about the Coneheads aging differently. But here's but they the don't. thing. Correct. They don't. Yeah. And yeah, meanwhile, Sinbad um, is with yeah. them the right. whole like throughout the almost the entire movie. And, well, and, uh, and and a very young David Spade and Michael McKeon. Who don't age at all because Correct. we see them early on and then we also see them later. Correct. Right. So I mean, let's just I'm thinking a lot of stuff got cut at the last minute too, because this movie's eighty-two minutes without credits. Mm. And I there's no way this wasn't like almost two hours before they it was just slashed to bits. I feel like the test screenings for this went horribly the went horrible. They had to have. How could they not? Yeah, so I don't like, I, yeah, I, I haven't heard like, anything Dan, about it. Uh, we're not giving you the kind of free range you had on nothing but trouble, okay? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and dial it in there, bud. Yeah. He, he had he, he had far less he had far less power, you know. Um yeah, didn't yeah, did not have final cut on this one. Only Tupac Shakur could have saved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> or a dance number at a McDonald's. Yes. Oh man, that would have been great. Actually, I don't know if the Coneheads dancing would have really, uh, it would have, well, it would have made me just as uncomfortable as last week's movie. The, yeah, you mean, the, the, oh, the doing their little penguin dance? Their yeah. little penguin moves? Yeah. 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 I totally, see, there's so many people in this movie, and it's so packed of, for, of cameos that when you said Sinbad and Eddie Griffin, for a second, my brain was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, your brain just simply can't hold it all in. There's, it there's every, so much. every Every moment, this is like a, this is like a Wes Anderson film of um, oh, of, of, of of SNL cameos. Just every other second, it's someone it's, else. It's about as side-splittingly hilarious as a Wes Anderson film. Oh, hello. Oh, well, I mean, these movies are yeah, funny, yeah, I, I, but I've never watched one going, "Oh my god, I can't stop laughing! I can't stop laughing!" It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it it's as confusing as some uh, Wes Anderson movies. Yes. <laughs> 
it's in, every yeah, in different and in different ways. Yeah. Every scene in this movie could just be a sketch. Like almost every Correct. scene. But it was well, that's how it's written. That's why, that's why I said it feels like just like 30 sketches uh, sewn together. It, it yeah. might as well be movie 42. Like, yeah. <laughs> the scene where, oh, here's the sketch where Sinbad and, and Dan Aykroyd are driving in the car and Dan Aykroyd thinks a condom is bubblegum. Yes, Get it? A, a, a hilarious joke that they did. You like that joke? Many kids? times. Just stick around. We're gonna bring it on back. Oh yeah, many just times get... the condom joke comes back. You know, because um, it, was... it, you know, and um, and then then it worked so well in uh, American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> My favorite American Werewolf in movie. Exactly. Did you guys were you guys surprised kind of that this was only PG? Like it wasn't even PG thirteen. And and this yeah, is not even right, right. Yeah, because you know, yeah, you, you know, there's like the there's like the the there's like the bear alien butt. But there's no prods. No crack, of course. Yeah. The MPAA is so weird. Um, Very I was just, weird, I, yeah. I, I was just surprised they went for that rating because I think, I mean, pretty much any other SNL movie is at least a PG-13. Like, they know the audience that watches the right, show. Right, so they, they're, they're trying to they're trying to rope in, like, 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 you know, like the 8 to 12 bracket. Right. But why? I mean, I don't this, know. Yeah, this movie is not for children. Well, because it, in Galen, I don't know if you know this, but in 1993, all the 12 year olds were staying up in 1977 to uh, to, to watch, watch the uh, right to watch the classic, yeah, um, classic <laughs> cast of SNL. They yeah. were they were they were in heavy repeat on like the Comedy Channel and I think, uh, yeah, Comedy Channel in the states and Comedy Network. Comedy right Central, here. yeah, Comedy Central. Comedy Central, states. sorry, yeah, Comedy Central. Still f- Get it Still right. Pretty pretty late though. Like I would I would think even the repeats were on at like eleven o'clock at night for the most part. Oh no, man! Like well, from the uh, the the bootleg episodes of Mystery Science Theater that I've watched, they would run SNL like during the day and stuff just to fill time. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, no, those they, yeah they would pump them through syndicated episodes that I'm so, yeah. I'm so mad every time I I'm like I used to look for an episode and I would find it and I would get it and then I would look and it'd be like 45 minutes long like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so and and what's funny is there's so many I guess there's a lot of people too that pop up in this movie that weren't really anything at the time. Like I don't know that Eddie Griffin was a big deal in 1993, but he barely does it's anything. More on the the stand-up yeah. scene. Yeah, well, yeah, they, so, they, yeah like, so they bring in a, yeah, they bring in a lot of they bring in a lot of up-and-coming comedians like I, you know, like Ellen DeGeneres has one line as the as the as as, as the PE coach. Yeah, and like Drew Carey has one line as a taxi cab passenger. Driver. As a yeah, taxi passenger. as a taxi cab passenger, right. Yeah. And you you think that because with that scene where uh Beldar is driving a cab with a super culturally sensitive turban wrapped around his cone. Yep. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that. Drew Carey gets in and Beldar is the cabbie, you at least think there's gonna be some sort of hijinks a la Ernest Saves Christmas, but right. you don't get that. No, not just, at all. I want to go to the airport. Okay, you want to go this way? And he's giving him like super precise directions of how he's going to take. And then they drive off, and you think it's going to be like some wacky race to the airport. It's not. They just show Beldar rolling up in front of his uh, his apartment building that he has, uh, that he's renting now from the guy who helped him get a job with the cab company. I do feel like a lot of the celebrity cameos are not utilized very well either. Getting the cameo was the first order of business. What they were going to do was was like 10th. 
Well, this is what I mean. Like Michael Richards is one of the first ones, and he's like Correct. a hotel clerk. And he's got to play you know, straight for them. Yeah, he Beldar shows up, and he's like, you know, I want to stay here, blah blah blah. And Primat drops like a bunch of coins on the desk to pay for it, and he doesn't get to do anything funny. He's just kind of reacting. But like, it's like you have Michael Richards, like you you want a goofy, weird character. You don't yeah, want like just a, it, does, you want Stanley Spadowski. Yeah. Though right. so it does, I mean it. I mean, it gets into like some of the the the, pri- the primary core issues of this is because the the coneheads in themselves are the the punchline. It gives no room for anyone else to bring in comedy because that's uh, you know because them in their in their cone forms always um, you know always take attention. But and that's the but that's the gag of the sketch too, and that's what they played yeah. heavily on. The, that's what they played. Is that everybody has to play straight. Everyone has to, to the, play straight. Every yeah, everyone has to um has to ignore the fact that they have that 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 they have bizarre cone heads, which you know again is fine for five minutes, but over the course of eighty six minutes, um eighty two without credits, it's it it, it becomes un- bizarre and unwatchable. And I'll say too, you mentioned it's fine over five minutes. I love the conehead sketches. There's some classic conehead sketches. It's classic bits because and, because because they're contained. Yeah, but, well, but yeah. Trying to, to trying to stretch that joke, you know, over a ninety minute, uh, you know, a, a three act plot line is impossible. Yeah, because I mean, they could focus on one thing. It's like you know, in this one, Connie goes on a date. How's that gonna go? That could be fun. In this one, you know, they get called up to their home planet. Okay, it's a big elaborate sketch. I remember there's one where they get called up to their home planet, and they did all this footage. Um, it's a live sketch, and they cut the footage of the Coneheads just driving to uh where they gotta get on their spaceship and everything. And it looks like the crew is literally filming, and all these regular people are just looking at them, being like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like right. that's hilarious because it's like you know, it, it it's something it's something different, and it's something quick. It's not 82 right. minutes it's, of yeah. ha ha ha. They say. Uh, simple things in a complicated way and oh my god their voices are goofy and wow they do things differently than us that's funny like that, those are all the jokes in this movie right Be- because you can you you can sustain that that exaggerated reality over five minutes because at the end you get the joke the punchline is delivered end of end of scene with this it's impossible to sustain that over that whole that whole course because the whole time you're you're because the whole time, once you start bringing in actual reality into it, the whole time you're thinking, why is no one saying you have a conehead? Well, that's just it. We get we get our breaks in our sketches Correct. for this with the introduction of reality because Michael McKeon uh, is an INS guy. David Spade is his, like, his smithers, essentially. Right. And, you know, we, we first meet them. They want to bust because of the, what was it, the... The Chico, what was the guy's? The Chico, yeah. Yeah, Donald the Chico, yeah. The Chico, okay. So they want to bust him because this is like the 10th time Donald the Chico has the, the, the guy who, you know, died six years ago is he's, this is the 10th job he's taken in the last, you know, six or seven months. So we get, you get that, but I mean, and we, they try to break up the movie and disguise the fact that you're just seeing the same joke over over and over again by putting these in. And I mean, there's some, there's some interesting stuff that they do here. Like we, uh, uh, McKeon is like 
obviously he's like super right wing Republican. He's got a picture of Bush and Reagan in his office. Right. And he wants to set up essentially like a running man perimeter at the border so that if uh, undocumented immigrants try to cross the border, their, their heads will explode. Right. Yeah. Well, and that and by the way, that that bit where he has Bush and Reagan in his office, that's like a, that's like somebody some set designer. That's a good joke, guy. Like, good yeah. job on that one. Good on you. I'm sorry right. well, it was whole, wasted the on this thing movie. thing is, uh, yeah. you know, it's meant to be a, you know, a commentary on the the U.S. handling of the of the immigration um, of, of of immigration. Um, yeah. And so. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's clearly they're they're put, they're putting in all of the check marks. In we, that we do have one instance of denoting the passing of time because we do have a growing up montage. Of course, well, of yeah, the, a montage, yeah, because montages solve every uh, solve all the world's problems. <laughs> right. So you do get to see uh, uh, Connie kind of growing up, but uh, but again, they're it's so weird because when we're we first introduced to them. It's it's very seems very much what seems like it's the you know the you know the mid to late eighties because of the way everybody's dressed and things look and then we cut this montage and Ackroyd's dressed all seventies with the checkered Herb Tarlick suit yes and they're getting the you know they're getting the house and stuff like that so it's it's you know they it jumps around on that so it's really poor with that consistency but. I guess it's fine because Jason Alexander is his neighbor and he's there to tell a joke about how he has kind of has a toupee and that's about it. Yeah. Again, that's, Jason Alexander, very funny guy, gets nothing in this movie. Uh, and no, again, he has nothing to do. No, no one has anything to do in this movie. And again, I was about to question you again. <laughs> my brain forgot that he's in this movie. And I, actually I know and he has, down, a, he and has so is Tom scenes. Arnold. Tom Arnold with Tom like Arnold again in one an line. uncredited cameo. Uh, Jason as Alexander, a rival golfer. Jason Alexander, by the way, um, his his wig is the best and worst special effect in the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They, yes. Um. Yeah. Probably almost uh, almost as painful to wear as the cone as the cone cap. I'm sure. But and then okay so. Uh, we get the aforementioned subway scene where Connie goes on a date with with Ronnie Chris Farley yes. and she inhales a, a sub and he's like he's super impressed by it and then we go to the grocery store where you know uh, uh Jane is shopping with the Jason Alexander's wife and she's like I don't know you're you're he's got that continental accent that would just drive a lady wild smash cut to Dan Aykroyd teaching Jan Hooks how to drive. And she is absolutely turned on by this guy who sounds like uh, 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 an early robot voice for like an answering right. machine. Yeah, the, the, and it's a giant yeah, again, cone growing out of his head. Right. The lot. Yeah. The logic never it's like all the logic is there is, uh, is there is, is only, it's just, is kind of assumed, you know, to sustain the, to sustain the half a joke that's that's plugged into the scene any movie that tries to convince me that dan Aykroyd uh is being fought over by jane Curtin and jan hooks is yeah. asking me to make a serious logical leap like mm -hmm. i'm yeah. sorry jan well, hooks yeah well well um well well next next up we have dr detroit <laughs> <laughs> 
probably put that one on the on the list too. Yeah. Um, but but Jan Hooks, um, again, Jan Hooks doing a solid job. Like she knows she knows exactly what this scene is supposed to be. She's being seductive. She's being you know, oh looks like I crashed. Oh no. Oh I guess I'm gonna have to come back. Like she's playing it well. And same with David Spade. Like he does that snarky thing really well. And he's doing well, it. He's very funny well. in this movie. It's he essentially that funny. character, that the receptionist character that he or played. Dick Clark. Yeah. 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 And you uh are... Yeah, he's basically doing that guy. Yeah. yeah. And and doing it quite well. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he, is, he makes he's one of the watchable elements of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they're both they're both fine. There are people that show up and do their thing, and I've got no I've got no uh, problems for the most part, like performance wise in this yeah. movie, but it's just that no one has jokes. No, other than yeah, the no, yeah. Every, yeah. Everyone is just, you know, it's just, it's just a whole, uh, you know, it's just holding up, you know, their little, uh, their little toothpicks trying to, you know, balance this, this bloated carcass of a movie. I had also forgot the Red Hot Chili Peppers supply some music for this movie. They sure do. Yeah. What, which, Soul to Squeeze. Like Soul to Squeeze. Best, that's like one of their best tunes and it's in this fucking, trash heap yeah i think it yeah i think i think it like premiered in this movie yeah this is one of those movies where the soundtrack uh is noted as being greater than the movie but Full of bangers. in this yeah. case in this case it had no option but to be yeah and of course but, you mean that primarily for the um for the conehead love song at the end of the movie that's that's your favorite track right yeah that's it galen but hold on, guys. We we talk about how this movie's not that funny, but I think we're forgetting a key scene here is when oh, Primat. Oh, tell me, enlighten me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, and you guys will bust your bust your guts laughing because you'll remember all about it. But it's the scene where Primat is giving birth to Connie. Oh my lord! There's fluids and there's yelling and and Beldar bites the umbilical cord because that's funny and oh, it's just a hoot. Oh, right, right. Yes, she's the um. Um, yeah, she's screaming, I hate you, I hate you, because, you know, if an alien is pregnant and, and, um, and going through the, um, uh, you know, going through all of the, um, the, the, the pregnancy tropes, that's hilarious. Well, the thing is, too, like, like you said, it doesn't, first of all, we have to accept the fact that no one thinks it's weird that they, the way they look, the way they sound, the Cor fact correct. that Beldar well, well, has, the fact well, that Beldar has, like, is, you know, they, they'll find certain things in you know, weird like the like when when uh when beldar's at the gym and he you know steps into the shower and he has the little the little prongs um you know on his on on his on his end where where the butt crack should be um you know people clock that and think that's strange but but to say nothing of his conical head well, and, and he goes into the, the dentist office, the dentist played by John Lovitz, and he has like, you know, a hundred teeth. And yeah, he just kind of goes rows of teeth. Mm -hmm. He yes. just kind of goes like, well, that's kind of weird, I guess. But OK, we'll cap them. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because you because, uh, you know, if you have a conical head, anything's possible. Okay, so Dan Aykroyd's character, he doesn't have a butt crack. Correct. So no, no back butt. Correct. Yeah, Beldar. he has these little uh, he has so, these like little prongs. Right. These little nubs sticking out in place of butt crack. Why are we to believe that she has front butt? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't understand. That's what I was going to say. I don't understand because I think there's so there many should be more like the Mac and me family where they're like, you know, just uh, Ken dolled. Mm -hmm. 
Well, mm-hmm. that's what they don't understand because there's so many things in this movie where it's like, okay, like the prongs on his butt, the other, some of the things, the cones, obviously, and some things that are clearly alien. Why do they have so many human qualities? Why do they have babies just like humans? Like, why does well, she go yeah. well, to a hospital? Have, Surely she. Rand- and they have random uh, uh, powers and abilities that are never really explained. Well, surely she would go into a hospital and the doctor would be like, that's not a human vagina. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Why none, does it have yeah, five none rows of teeth? here checks out. Oh, my God. Is that what that movie Teeth is about? It's Jane Curtin with a, as a cone head? <laughs> I, I it's probably she, Connie. I wish Connie. she had taken that role. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Uh, Jane, you know, it's more of a, of a, it's supposed to be like a teenage girl. It's like a coming of age thing. Ah, come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. I, uh, well, yeah, we'll put a, we'll, we'll throw John Lithgow in here and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> what role can we get for Joey Gordon-Levitt? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And don't forget French Stewart. Oh, yeah. I will um, also point out Chris Farley as the love interest. He's adorable until he gets really rapey. Then it gets yeah. not so great. Uh, yeah, and and he's and he's supposedly a teenager. Okay, that's another thing too. If we can cast <laughs> he's a Chris dumb Farley, teenager. but dumb if we can teenager. cast right. Chris Farley as a teenager, I mean, we could probably get away with just letting Lorraine Newman have her old role. Yeah, honestly. Sure. Okay. Basically, yeah. I mean, who cares though? Like, if if <laughs> nothing else is weird about the movie, who cares if the daughter is being played by like a forty year old woman? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, and and that's that's where like the the suspension of disbelief, you know, like you know, is you know, is brought into question because like you look at like you look at Wayne's World where it's the whole joke was like it's um um it's a it's two two guys in their mid thirties playing like uh, playing like eighteen year olds. Yeah, and exactly. it, you know, but it you know for that it worked. Like where we you don't you know that uh, um you know that 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 is accepted and you move forward. Where you know whereas with this you don't you don't know where the logic ends begins and ends. Yeah, and and. The other thing is you too, set the rule and then you go with it. Where there is there are no rules in this movie. The other two thing too is that with Wayne's World, the sketches like I mean, like I said, I love the Conehead sketches, but it's essentially a version of the same joke. Wayne's World is very much like different jokes throughout. Sometimes they were topical at times. Like sometimes they oh, yeah. had guests. Sometimes you know, Aerosmith. Yeah, there was a whole, there was a whole world within it that they built. Yeah, you know? they explored the relationship of Wayne and Garth outside of the show. The yes. friends that they have that help them run the show, uh, you know what? Ha- like, there's more depth to Wayne's World than there is Coneheads. Y- yeah, because also I think Wayne's the World jo- had yeah. Rob Lowe. That's a yeah. big difference too. And Tia Carrere. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I you know I I think like because you know this technically this and Blues Brothers were the two the the two SNL um SNL based movies that were that had preceded this and they were both successful because I think they they weren't they weren't locked into one specific joke um yeah. that had to be sustained throughout the whole film it, it was just the you know the characters themselves um that you know interact in the world in a specific way and then you could build around it whereas this it's you know you, there it's a, it's some it's a it's a joke that is defying human logic that then you have to agree to for the course of the film which is impossible it's that but i mean they also lock themselves into it because this is the same joke oh, yeah. Over oh, yeah, and no, over again. I mean, yeah they lock I themselves mean, you into can, it 
you could there's ways that you could have actually explored you know different relationships that they're having with other people outside of their house but they limit it to chris farley some talk with the neighbors and then the rest of it is just them trying to dodge ins and i don't know give everybody radiation burns from fireworks yeah, yeah. I, that's you know the thing what, that happens. You know what part? Though, honestly, the part that most con- most confused me because I hadn't seen this in a few years, and it completely like you know scooted out of my brain. But right, the part where should. you start out the you when you start out with McKeon and David Spade playing those INS guys, or David yep. Spade is assistant, whatever, and they're clearly after Beldar now that he's got his new identity thanks to uh, a shady uh, Adam Sandler. So you think like, okay, this is the plot, right? This is the main plot that we're going to come back to. They're constantly on the lookout after them. Great. But then what I thought was bizarre was when um, Michael McKeon finds out he's getting a promotion and, you know, he does a thing where he's like, well, I don't care what happens with this. And he walks away and Spade walks away. And then we don't go back to that plot for a long time. And I'm like, wait, because he's up for like another promotion. Well, that's right. what I mean, but it's so it's so weird how they just it would have been something different if they had done that because later on Michael McKean goes into this meeting with Senator Kevin Nealon, and uh, right. again everyone's in this movie and Kevin Nealon tells him like you know oh uh, you know this whole thing with the Chico you put two hundred fifty thousand dollars in it into it we never we never uh, found them you know and then they go back and start investigating again but why even have that cuz for like 25 minutes or so you're like okay so there's no stakes anymore because they just left this plot has left the movie and then it awkwardly comes back in like i don't understand like are we well, they could have had all the family stuff and all the neighbor stuff while still having this in the background existing and they even try to to pad it out even more by having Beldar covet this most improved golfer trophy yeah which yeah which doesn't doesn't uh, fit into any of it i mean well, there's they, really there, there's really no yeah. b plot to this movie no and they want to they I, they want to introduce that that plot point so that later when he's battling that monster on the, the home planet we like, oh he's a good golfer well, you you could have just established that that he likes to go golfing because they do that in the growing up montage. One of the Christmas gifts he gets uh, during that montage is like a set of uh, titles, golf clubs uh, and golf balls. So it's like, OK, he's a golfer. I don't I don't need this. You know, he he's coveting this uh, trophy and he's, you know, it, trying to get it. But there's nothing to show him going through anything winning a tournament, winning mm. a game of golf at all. They're, the only time we see him golfing is uh, when he's out with Jason Alexander. Chris Farley rolls up to apologize for getting all handsy with uh, with Connie. And Tom Arnold's there. He's like, hey, what's with your head? And then he leaves. Tom Arnold, I'm, I'm just going to admit it right now. And I feel gross saying this. Best <laughs> he, part of this movie? He, that is the biggest <laughs> laugh of the movie for me. Because he's the only character that's like, what's with the cone? And I'm like, yeah. thank you. Someone right, finally, finally. Someone, someone says something. Tom <laughs> Arnold, voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Saving you know, Yeah, and then, um, yeah. And, and then he was like, I have the Trump tapes. <laughs> I got the pee-pee tapes. Who wants and them? And they're, they're starring Michael McKeon. <laughs> um but yeah so uh yeah that's like that i just wanted to 
just wanted to admit that 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 scene really that line did really did make me laugh. Um, do you think Do you think it was a subtle joke that Michael McKeon and David Spade's character show up undercover as Jehovah's Witnesses while they're getting ready for a Halloween party? Uh, I don't think this movie knows what a subtle joke is. So okay, I'm not then, sure. So, all right, yeah, so it's no, just a no, coincidence then, eh? <laughs> I think it's a coincidence. Okay. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I yeah. think they were just going for the trope of like who goes door to door. Correct. Right. And that's the most '90s door to door trope there is. You know what would have been funnier because it was a Halloween party they were going to is if Michael McKeon had made David Spade go undercover as like his kid. Oh dressed yeah. Up in a Halloween. That would have been hilarious. Right, or or if they yeah, or if they followed them to the Halloween party in costume. But Nathan, you're you're talking about jokes that don't involve the coneheads. We don't have time for that. I suppose. <laughs> I gotta think conehead fucking. Oh, I gotta think it was oh. miserable for everyone that wasn't playing a conehead on this set because like you don't get to do anything. Like Kevin Nealon shows up and he's like, what, "Okay, you want me to just say that line and then leave the movie? Okay." Right. <laughs> Well, similarly to Master of Disguise, you know, he comes in and says his Classic. like two lines and leaves. Yeah, well, yeah. Pay me, pay me. This, uh, this, this. I will say this is probably better than Master of Disguise. <laughs> Just yeah, the sheer, yeah, like, yeah. Low, I, low bar, about, so, bar so low, it's a floor. Yeah, yeah. we're we're talking about like degrees here, like <laughs> the infinitesimal degrees. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I don't. I didn't get uh, Dana Carvey Scarface in this in this movie. Oh boy, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah you were talking about the sex scene go on nathan talk about it yeah let's talk about it's un- it. it's unsettling uh because the again the neighbor lady put it in in <laughs> primat primat's head that you know beldar is gonna cheat on her uh or someone's because or, or you know jan hooks is gonna try to seduce her away because they even meet up in the grocery store like kind of cross paths and and they they that that knowing glance and then you know <laughs> Jane's character goes home and and gets all seductive and it's like so this is this is how they bone hey hmm. oh with the senso yeah. rings yeah oh well because that's right for that, the sketches too that's that's also fun that is kind of a funny bit not the Jane and Dan one but later with Connie and uh, Chris Farley. When they catch them trying to use the senso rings, and and they're like, "Where did you get those? From under your bed?" Okay, so first of all, if I find um sexual devices under my parents' bed, I am I am not attempting to use them. Nope. I don't know what would possess her to do such a thing. Well, you don't Ugh. know the customs. On, you don't know the Conehead customs. Maybe it's customary to use the um use the sexual pleasure to, um tools that were uh, were used by your parents. Well, we, you know what? We don't get too much time to think about that because uh, the INS did follow them back from the the dance, and now it's time for the getaway and get to get sucked up to the mothership to go back to yeah. Remulock. Well, yeah, well, and yeah, and and now that we're back on that topic, you forgot. You know, not only does he um uh, to defeat the monster, not only does he bring in his golf, he also um recites tainted love. Yeah, that's Price. right. That's right. Yeah, that's his so, that's his big that's his big turning point is realizing that he likes the song that his daughter was listening to in the car. A song that is like 10 years old at this point. <laughs> because it helps him defeat a monster. Yes, it's like his warm-up song. 
I will say that there, yeah. I, that was another small laugh from me though when he's in the car with his daughter and her two friends and they're singing like obnoxiously and just his facial reaction. That's more Dan Aykroyd just kind of working for me a little bit when he's making most, that like most dads actually frustrated yeah. and he's just like Argh. like that whole time. Also speaking, can't of, wait. Uh, I can't speak- wait till they get out of the car so I can put on the cure. <laughs> also, speaking, uh, speaking of random cameos, did you recognize the, her, her two friends? Oh no. yes, uh, yeah, no, um, I did. Oh, their Parker name. Posey was one Parker of them, right? Parker Posey yes. and Joey Lauren Adams. Yes, who That's were wild. Uh, and the three of them were all friends in Dazed and Confused. Wow. <laughs> Do you think they, on the set of Dazed and Confused, they were like, remember when we were in Coneheads? Well, this came out, I'm, 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 wonder, I'm not sure which came, which was filmed first. Yeah, yeah Chicken or the Egg. It's you, real, we have to figure yeah. that, we, we have to figure that out. Well, I'm they, impressed. they both came out in 93. Correct. So they were both, probably, I think they were both summer films. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I imagine, yeah, they were... Um, I would think they were gonna... brought on from one or the other. I would, um, I would imagine that they did uh, um, Days and Confused first because they really? actually had a good time on that set and were like, oh, I will bring on my friends for, uh, you know, into this film. See, the only reason I'm thinking they did Coneheads first is because Coneheads, I feel like, had a longer post-production. So I Who feel knows? like Days and Confused. I don't know. I feel like the, well, you I gotta, you... feel like they cranked this one out with the. At, right after Wayne's World, I feel I like feel they were like just, the, yeah. The mm. Post would right. Brennan makes a good point because you got to take time to put in that Harryhausen monster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, we got to talk oh. about we got to talk about Remulac because on Remulac we also get Dave Thomas as the High Master. We get a tiny bit of Garrett Morris. Yeah, um, we, get, we, we get some uh, Tim we, Meadows. We, we get some uh, some Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, who I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to see Phil Hartman, no matter yeah, what he's doing. Exactly. Um, Tim Meadows gets to show up, say one line, and die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so was pretty he much. Even, was was he even? When did he start on SNL? In 1990. Oh wow. Yeah, because so Tim Meadows was a cast member who was on for 10 years, and really the first five years of his tenure, he didn't really do a whole lot. But was starting he, did from he start like, out as a writer or no? Uh, no, he was in the cast 1990. But if oh, you look at right. like when the Will Ferrell crew came in yeah, yeah. to the end of his term, that's when he was really starting to write. That's up. when they brought uh, yeah. Then they brought him up yeah. And the ladies man. man, how wild! I'm Leon Phelps, a ladies man. Yeah, that whole thing. another another. That another one, I feel, su- actually, another successful would, iteration. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, an underappreciated movie. I feel. I do have a little bit of affection for that movie. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen it. To be fair. To be fair. Okay. Uh, great sketch too. Love that recurring sketch. True. It's a lot of fun. True. Same thing with Superstar. Kind of a little bit of an affection for that one. Night at the Roxbury, not so much. Uh, <laughs> nope. Um, but anyway, yes, they're in Remulac. We get more cameos from people. Um, and then, and then Dan Aykroyd. Lorraine Newman, of course. Yeah. Lorraine Newman, very briefly. Again, she gets an and Lorraine Newman credit at the beginning. And I'm like, that's not enough for an and Lorraine Newman credit. We, I mean, we cut to her a bunch, but I think she probably has all of like two lines. Yeah. She says something about getting excited to see the monster. And I was like, oh, Lorraine Newman. Yeah, they sit her right next to the, you know, to to the others. Yeah. Well, she's like Phil Hartman's wife, right? In this movie. I think so. I have no idea. Connie actually, I think they did it more so that Connie could have the direct uh, contact or interaction with her. Yeah. Because Connie, young Connie, turns to old Connie and says, you know, what is this monster? And then she kind of explains it to her. Yeah. I I will say that. I will say that. Yeah. 
I want to say too that like Michelle Burke as Connie, she's fine. She's she's fine in this movie. Like she's great. She's I like how she's not like the family because it gives us a break from that. Well, it's yeah. interesting because when we um when we first when we we're first introduced to her, she's kind of use you know she's kind of using some of the the heightened language a little bit mm-hmm. um, when talking to her parents. Consume but then mass that's quantities. completely dropped. But then that but then the rest of the movie, she's just she's just speaking like an American teenager. She's been Americanized, man. Immediately uh, within five minutes. Well, that's know, what Chris Farley will do to you. He'll he'll yeah he'll, yeah 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 he'll be he'll, super charming yeah. he'll be super charming he'll get a bit rapey and then he'll have a redemption arc that was and then weird. pretty soon you're living in a van down by the river <laughs> hey um an, another another question I, I that um, would have made a good movie by the way I would have watched a Matt Foley movie a uh, Matt Foley oh, amazing amazing <laughs> I feel it would have been I, a louder version of Stewart saves his family. <laughs> Just everyone yes. screaming, yeah. <laughs> but at least with Matt Foley, there's, there's again, it's a sketch where there's a lot more you can do. It's not just one joke over and over again. Depending right. on who yeah. writes the movie, though, they might be like, let's just have him fall through another table. It's hilarious when Fatty falls down. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, it had more potential to be yeah. better. Yeah. Um. Yeah, where this had none, and then the results were negative. Yeah, let's wait. Uh. Let's wait 17 years to make a movie out of this sketch. Uh, so, okay, so he fights the monster, like you said, right out of a Harryhausen movie. That's his punishment. He's they're the like the Harryhausen because... cone monster, yeah. Yeah, and well, it's his punishment because he capped his teeth. He capped his teeth, yeah. The, the they considered it treason, I guess. Yeah, anything to for an excuse to get this tacked on fight. Yeah. And he said he, he starts singing Tainted Love to lure it out. He uses his golf stroke. And I don't know. I kind of like, you know, I was because every Harryhausen monster is lured like a siren to the yeah. trill of uh, Soft Cell. Yeah. Um, he, does he, he just t- hit it with, does he just no, hit it with the thing? He drills, he drills a line drive right down the thing's throat and it okay. chokes on a rock. Okay. And yeah, and then when he wins, you know, he says, you can have anything you want. He says, okay, I want to go back to Earth and I'll destroy the Earth. And the movie is like, I I need to take the two human slaves as well. Right. Michael McKeon. And he's like, Dave Dave Thomas is like, you can take one. So he takes Michael McKeon and says, I'll take you back if you give me a green card. Right. All that just for a green card. Just for a fucking green card. Yeah. A conflict that is never. That 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 is that is never um you know following them through the movie. There's never you know there's never an issue other than you know there, that issue never rises other than you know through Michael McKeon. Also I'm laughing and this ended like Mac and me where they're in a courthouse having a, a U.S. citizen yeah, and then they drive away in like, a pink Cadillac and then someone blows in a bubble out of a condom and it says we'll be back. I, I gotta say I gotta say. Um, it makes no sense to me this whole thing with uh, Michael McKean giving them giving them the green card because okay cool so he's not gonna report on them but don't you remember like when they went up on the spaceship there were like 200 people watching are you telling me that none of those people are gonna be like uh <laughs> there's fucking aliens <laughs> right well that's not that's no longer an issue for INS because they were just <laughs> visiting if those aliens that abducted them and tried to get jobs then it's an INS problem. Uh, McKeon set that rule very firmly at the first of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying they sh- there's there should be more people that they're paying off. 
Um, <laughs> they got to they got to go bring more people up to uh, the high master and save them in order to make sure no one no one tells anyone about them. Um, nice. But yeah, so they pretend like they're going to destroy the earth, and then of course Beldar doesn't destroy the earth. The movie actually makes us think that he's going to do it. Like, come on, how stupid do you think we are um, at this point? Right. Yeah, and so of course he doesn't. They go back home. Everything's great. Um, Spade becomes the high master's new PR guy, which is kind of funny. And that was cute. I mean, again, yeah. everything with Sp- everything, everything with Spade, you know, um, you know, worked. Yeah. He made, he, you know, he, he made that, he made that translate. And, and that's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the end of the movie. Coneheads yeah. live happily ever after. And we don't. Uh, Hard to um, it, listen, guys, there's not a lot going on in this movie. Um, one uh, one other question I had, and again, uh, you know, yes, I know it's I know it's pointless to you know to to argue the you know <laughs> any sticking points of this movie, notes. but do um when they're um when they're uh, when when they're assigned the name De Chico, and mm-hmm. then later everyone starts calling them just calls them Conehead, is that yeah. explained? Nope. Well, because they can't go by De Chico anymore because that's what uh, that's what tipped off INS at the first. So then, so then, yeah, right. So then they just go by Conehead because that's and that that's far less suspect. Somehow, uh, fucking Beldar started his own driving school, and there's all kinds of regulations that you fill out the government forms, and you would definitely oh, yeah. need a social security number along with a gajillion other pieces of of government issued ID that he wouldn't have. Because right. the only reason they have him doing that is because it's it's a fucking uh, fan service to the sketches where he says, I work as a driving instructor, which is funny in a five minute sketch because then you're like, wait, what? How do you get that job? But right. in a movie, you're like, wait, how did he get that job? Come and on. Then they, yeah. <laughs> and then they and then we get to see him do it. Yeah. Right. Because that's hilarious. Oh, boy. So Coneheads, we did it. We 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 talked about this movie. We discussed it. We we batted it around. But now. I'm sure this will shock everyone. We're going to find out everyone's true opinion. So, oh boy. Um, Galen, we'll start with you. Uh, was this film worth a watch? A drunk watch with friends? Would you attempt head trauma to forget it or avoid it like the plague? Boy. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say um I wouldn't say quite avoid it like the plague because again, there is there are elements of it that is so um that is so bizarre to see all of the, the the cameos strung together. I mean, I think it's, I you know, yeah. I mean, again, uh, you know, yeah, it, like bear witness to it, and then you know, yeah, beat yourself, uh, beat yourself about the head in punishment, and 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 let that be its own reward as you forget what it, what actually entailed. So you so you would attempt conehead trauma to forget? I it. would I would bash my my conical head. Um, you know, after seeing this film. All right, and what say you, Nathan? Oh man, avoid this like the plague. Like it, I don't mean it in like a, a loquitia way. It's not in a loquitia way, but avoid it like the plague because if you've seen the sketch, you've seen the movie. Mm. Fair enough. I mean, and and if you yeah. unless you're a fan of hearing essentially the same joke repeated conservatively. 50 times mm-hmm. just go get Brent Reigns, get Wayne's world, Wayne's world, get, get held. Stewart says his family's better than this thing. Hey, you know what? Wayne's world too. Yeah. Honestly, Wayne's world two is better. Yeah. Absolutely. Wayne's world two is pretty good. It's on that. That's an underrated one. I think. 
It's not great, but it's it's it's, it's, it's miles above this. I'm also going to go uh, – I never thought I would say this. I am also going to go full tilt boogie on this and avoid it like the plague. Um, wow. It's a borderline. It's close. It's close. It's almost a head trauma. And and the people in this movie, I should not be giving this the harshest con- con- condemnation, but it's just it, – it's so – painfully unfunny and it it shouldn't be with the cast with the writers with the with the people behind it it's just nothing is working and even the mild laughs like i said i laughed when tom arnold had that line i thought adam sandler's scene was fine you know jan hooks the performances are not bad or anything but it's just it's just an it's just a disaster and mm-hmm. you know he heed my word people if we ever do it's pat and we most assuredly will say avoid like the plague this is on a this is a different level of avoid like the plague it's not as bad as it's pat but i would still say well well, maybe loquisha but i would still say certainly not it's certainly i mean it's pat is certainly the worst of the snl movies oh no doubt um as Gwen Stefani would say. Uh, so yeah, I would avoid this one like the plague as well. I'm sorry, Coneheads. Better luck next time when you're back for Coneheads 2. And Mac and me too. We'll cover them in the same week. <laughs> I mean, I will <laughs> if that happens. But on that note, folks, we are going to take a brief little break and we will be right back. What were they And we're back. Yes, we are. Folks, uh, it is uh, now time for the low haiku. It's the time where we get, uh, we make those nice uh, mouth sounds that you love to hear. Lip and tongue action. Mm, yeah. So, uh, Nathan, why don't you explain to the folks, if they don't know, uh, what, what this whole low haiku hubbub is all about? Well, the low haiku is 17 perfect syllables to describe the movie that we've uh, just been agonizing over for a little hour and some change. That is correct. And, of course, um, since we have our guest, I will allow Mr. Galen Howard to begin with his low haiku. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes, I am. Farley attempts to save this movie. He does not. Tragedy defined. Very good. Very, very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, Nathan, would you like to read your little haiku? Yes. This was a good sketch, but as a film, it's dire. It can eat my cone. Well said. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. Well said. To the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will uh, read my haiku here. <clears throat> all done my screenplay, all typed and printed and sent. One joke, copy paste. Very, very accurate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Mm. Well, uh, now that we've done that, we are going to co-load our way out. Whoa, that's right, folks. It's another hot day out here. 
How hot would you say it was there, Brendan? I'd say it's hot as fuck out there. There you go, folks. Hope you're oh uh, taking those surface streets. Keep that AC on and roll them windows up because, hey, those flying bats are out there and they're biting anything that moves. Yes, bam, 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 bam. We live in a Morbius world and I am a Morbius girl. So now that we've all waxed poetic, now that we've uh, given our take on this movie, we like to, uh, you know, we don't like to to hog the spotlight. Um, no. We our, our our word is not final. Um, so Nathan, we have a saying around here, and how, how does that go? That saying, I believe, goes a little something like. That's right. That's what we say. We say don't take our word for it. And we go over to the Rotten Tomatoes to see what others are saying. Now, we know this was a a flop, but certainly, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, you know, some great comedians. The critics might must have had some nice words to say about it. Not too many of them. Thirty five percent of the old tomatoes. And that's out of thirty one reviews. So, I mean, take that for what you will. Okay. Um. But surely the audience, SNL was hot at the time. We got lots of, you know, younger cast members coming in. I'm sure they had a blast with this. 37. In a row? In a row. Out of 100,000 plus ratings. Oh, we're going to be doing this segment for the next three hours. So, but if you like this, and honestly, none of us did. No. You might also like... Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Mm. Police Academy 2, their first assignment. No, not the first one or the third one, though. Or the eighth one. (laughs) Problem Child. Mm. Or the late, great John Ritter. Mm -hmm. And Gilbert Gottfried. Sergeant Bilko. Mm -hmm. And finally, I don't know what this is doing here. Airheads. And I do not agree with the ratings on the tomatoes. That movie's fantastic. Wait, wait, Nathan, don't put the movie on. Come back here. Uh, be, uh, fine. Galen, get Sandler, that. He's so good. Galen, and break that VCR. Machine. Smash John it. John is in it. Chris Farley's in it, Smash. too. No, guys. Smash. My only copy of Airheads. Yeah, we didn't even smash your copy, just your VCR. Yeah, so you should be VCR. grateful. Yeah. They're, they're easier Ape to get, in, right? Ape was in there. Oh, oh, awkward. <laughs> um, well, let's you know what? Let's cheer you up. Let's read some critics' reviews of uh, Coneheads. I'll 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 start off with uh, with a positive one. Why not? From Leonard Clady of Variety, a sweet, funny, anarchic pastiche that should find broad-based popularity. Okay. Well. See here, Rita Kempley of the Washington Post wrote, Curtin and Ackeroid rely on old standbys. When that doesn't work, which mostly it doesn't, they try grossing us out with a series of revolting Remulakian childbirth jokes. Remulakian, is that how it would be? Remulakian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. We're sticklers for the right uh, pronunciation. Right. Yeah. Let's respect the Remulac- Remulacians. Yes. Well, the Remulacian culture. Yes. Of the Remulacs. Of yeah. Don't assume 
I know I don't, I'm, I'm uncomfortable now. Go, yeah. go ahead, Galen. Um, this one comes from Marilyn S. Mason of the Christian Science Monitor, reliable source. My favorite. Um, this is what, uh, you know, this is one of the positive reviews. Um, mm. She says, Aykroyd's comedy is extreme and bizarre, sometimes even gross, but often endearing and rich in amusing parody of contemporary American society. I don't know what movie she watched. <laughs> yeah. Pleasantville, it sounds like. Sounds like Pleasantville. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I'll just make this the last critics one. Cause I feel like the audience ones are going to be a real hoot. Um, yes. this one comes from Dwayne Burge of the Hollywood reporter, uh, simply says, can you inflate a gimmick driven comedy skit into a full fledged feature film up to a point? Because eh? eh? it's a great the coin uh, cones, I get it. Yeah. Uh, wah, wah, that's that's a negative. Uh, uh, my next one comes from Emmanuel Levy from EmmanuelLevy.com. Uh, I, I'm guessing he's uh, taking to avenge his, his cousin Eugene, who was not yes. in this movie, and doesn't have as glorious a mustache. Right. Uh, he writes. A one-joke movie stretched to the limit. But he Great. also gave it a C minus, which I think is generous. Very. Um, well, I think we can. Um, I think we can close the uh, the critics' reviews with this um, with this concise uh, summation from Eric Lurio of the Greenwich Village Village Gazette, who simply says, "Fat." Truer words have never been spoken. Correct. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great um, one word to go out on. Perfect. They say we ain't going out like that, but we are, and we're, we're going out like the... fat. I going go out, out like, like fat all the time. <laughs> we are going out like fat. Fat. So let's get into these audience reviews here. Um, this Almost is... all of them are by our, our, our courtesy of Neil Breen. There's a lot of them. Yes. Um, this one comes from Neil Breen. And it's four out of stars. It's not for everyone, apparently. I suppose it would be jarring to go into it without knowing the premise. Anyway, I thought it was adorable. Much better than I expected. I don't think anyone was going in not knowing the premise. I think if you were watching Coneheads, you had a pretty good idea. you've seen a single sketch, you know the premise. If yeah, that was the... told you. If someone told you the sketch of, the, of, 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 of that SNL sketch, you would know the premise. It's like it's not like people were going to be like, hmm, I wonder what this is. Right. All right, uh, Nathan, go ahead. Well, my first audience one comes from Thomas D, which I actually think is a sly way that Dave Thomas got his review mm. in on this, and because and it actually it it it's it kind of tracks with you know what you would go with, with somebody who was involved with this movie because I went into this one with the lowest possible expectations. So that might be why I'm scoring it so high. Lots of laughs. I will be watching this one again. Probably for the residuals. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Very good. Uh, like, spoiler alert, all the, all the reviews I'm, I'll be reading is from Neil Vereen. And he, sa- he gives it five out of stars and says, Ultra classic. To do a farce movie is rather easy, but a brilliant farce movie is a rare occurrence. Yeah, and this isn't one of them. Exactly. <laughs> well, Galen, it's funny you said that because I also have a five-star review here from uh, Neil Breen. 
um, who says, the first time I saw the trailer, I thought a big what the fuck is happening here. But when I saw it, I understand that it was a parody of the American society and to the immigration process of adaptation and is really sweet and warm. And then he puts a quote here. Well, know all the days a father can give her daughter a world. This phrase touched my heart. How Rooney loved Connie without mattering him her cone head and how their marriage progressed. I think that is a fresh, sometimes incoherent, sweet movie where the character develops develop themselves and profess. Themselves. Yep. Yes. Press? Not themselves. And themselves. And profess. Not progress. Yep. That's I just read it as read it, it as, as written. Yeah, read it as written. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what we do here, right? Yeah, yeah. Ver- okay. Ver- ver- verbatim. Well, my next one is from Neil Breen. And old Neil writes, Coneheads is yet another nostalgic childhood film of mine, which for the most part still holds up. Burning with an all-star cast of comedic celebrities, Coneheads is a purposely ridiculous, often hilarious, but occasionally flawed comedy. At times, the humor is a little too ridiculous and fails to land. But thankfully, in return, this gripe is compensated with the genuinely hilarious moments as well. Boasting memorable parts like the subway sandwich scene and more. Conehens is a unique and thoroughly entertaining watch. Three and a half out of stars. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the, the 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 one hilarious sketch they could think of, and more. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The um this uh this review from Neil Breen um has uh Neil trying to I think uh butter his bread a little bit as you um as as I think you can uh you'll you'll see here um he gives a two and a half out of stars and says. The main leads try their best to give their characters charm, but the comedy only seems to work when other well-known faces are on screen. This leaves the in-between scenes with nothing to remember them by, making only a part of the film worth a watch. For my full review of Coneheads, check it out on the IMDb link. (laughs) Oh, man. Plugging it. Rotten Tomatoes loves that, eh? Love that. (laughs) They'll love it. Um, okay, well, this one, interestingly enough, comes from, uh, let me just see, yeah, Mr. Neil Breen, um, who gives it five stars. This film needs to be rescored by everybody who just don't get low-key humor. Yes, it's a poor main story, but it's just a bit of a laugh at humanity. Yeah, Coneheads is what I think of when I think of low-key humor. Yeah, low-brow, maybe. Hey! All right. Tom Hiddleston wasn't in this. Speaking of lowbrow, next review from Neil Breen. And Neil takes a weird bent on this one. He writes, SNL 90s movies can be divided into two categories, pre and post David Spade twink phase. Nearly always the Post-phase is superior to the pre-phase, even when he's supporting only. Twinks, apparently, do not a good film make unless they sing, dot, 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 two and a half out of stars. What the fuck? Okay, wow. All right. Wait, David Spade is a twink? I mean, 
in the wow. earlier years. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I wow. Remember. Wow. He was. I mean, that's he was ta- skinny, wayfish. Yeah. That's mm. a, okay. Wow. I mean, I mean yeah. Yeah. Twink David I'm, no, I'm, I'm not even gonna dignify that. Wow. Let's do it. Great. If his career um, had gotten one way or the other, he probably would have done a lot of movies revolving around the fact that he was a twink. There you go. <laughs> With very little plot. Less than this, even. Actually, that's not true. I would say pornography usually has a more concise plot than this movie. And and believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, for sure. and a climax. <laughs> Several. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, um, this uh, th- this review from uh, Neil Breen, um, um, it has... Uh, he gets uh, gets quite passionate here. Um, he says, uh, a year ago, I said Bean was the best comedy of all time. I was wrong. Coneheads may be the best comedy of all time for its intelligence, actors, and humor. This movie is hilarious all the way through. A prequel to the sketches on SNL. It's technically not a prequel. Uh, Coneheads follows two aliens who go to Earth to conquer the planet, but instead get trapped on there and have a child who is like them, but not. The main plot is the government trying to get them. The movie works. Everything works. It's hilarious throughout, and it's interesting to know about them and how they eat and how they sleep. And it's so interesting that it immediately gets you hooked. I suggest everyone should see it. 98 out of 100. A. Five out of stars. I love, I love. Wait, what was the, what was the, uh, the, 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 the height of movies for him again? Before Bean. This? Bean. Bean. Bean yeah. was the greatest comedy until. But <laughs> <Yeah>. before Bean, I'm assuming it was like Baby's Day Out, maybe. <laughs> right, right. Or Baby Geniuses. Baby Geniuses, uh, solid. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is this is my last one. Um. From the from the audience, it's very quick and straightforward, but it made me laugh. Neil Breen once again, uh, five stars says, "I would enter Conehead's home anytime." It does sound like something Neil Breen would say. Don't know what that means. But... I don't know. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. wants to he wants to hang out with the Coneheads and thinks uh, it's possible. Just the home. They, He's just a big they fan make, of the architecture. They make yeah, him right, seem right, normal right. He wants to comparison. tour the home. That he wants to he wants to take a tour of the Coneheads home. This this is true. And and yeah, on the Paramount and, and, lot. And that is true though, Nathan. Yeah, you're right. Neil Breen is uh, normal by comparison. Well, I don't know. He would make. They would make him seem normal by oh, comparison. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't say he was normal, but seem. All right. Also well, my an last... alien. Also an alien, just not as bizarre. Yes. Yeah. Bizarre in a different way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right, anyways, my last one. It comes from you know Brain again. Surprise yeah. not. Uh, but he's kind of chiding in this one, and he writes, hmm. "Danny, Danny, Danny." Dot dot dot. No wonder your most recognized film is Ghostbusters. It's movies like this that get people questioning about your choice of character roles, and especially this one. There is honestly not much to this movie at all. The comedy is lacking almost everywhere. It's unmemorable, to say the least. Apart from the cover, which I remember seeing years and years ago on a VHS cover... Thank God I didn't watch it as a kid. I would have been disappointed out of my mind. Two out of stars. And I will say this because I'm actually seeing the, the, the VHS cover, the theatrical, the family photo. 
And while Jane and Dan are off-putting, it's it's kind of hard to talk so much shit about a, a girl who looks so sweet. I mean, she's just, just trying to make her way in that business, and, and she's, you know, she was in Coneheads. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyways, uh, uh, send us home, Galen. You got it. Um, well, I'll j- this one, I think, this one from Neil Breen, giving it four out of stars. Um, I think it can be taken a couple different ways, but he simply says, my motherhood told me it was very funny. What? Okay. My motherhood told me it was very funny. <laughs> so wait, so Neil Breen being a mother, um, the experience <laughs> of being exper- a mother. Yes. Uh, yes. Was told from, uh, learned from experience being a mother that this movie is very funny. Okay. Sure. I guess the, the jokes where Primat was doing mother stuff just made him yes, laugh. Yes, it was uh, vacuuming it, with her right. Mouth. It was uh, you know um was giving mouth to mouth with the vacuum. Oh yeah, wasn't that hilarious, guys? It was okay. great. Laugh so let's, hard. It was so good. Let's let's yeah. Get, and, and when and, and when she was um and when she was singing the Pepsi uh jingle <sighs> that yeah, was more. hilarious. Uh, product placement we haven't seen that since a week ago um uh-huh. <laughs> you remember earlier when we talked about how like merch for this was everywhere is mm-hmm. i'm not going to read the review but someone mentions in one of the reviews uh that they enjoyed the movie so much that they had a baseball cap that said consume mass quantities that's how much they thought this was going to be a money-making machine yeah I think it would be so funny and ironic if someone walked around with a consume mass quantities hat nowadays though the hipsters would be, would be thinking they were making like a righteous statement on the materialistic end of society. That's true. But then you go, nah, it's from Coneheads. No, nah, I like movie. Coneheads, dude. <laughs> it's from the sketches, not the movie. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we that's that's it. We talked about Coneheads. We never have to talk about it again. Yeah. Thank did God. you um did you read any of the uh, the trivia for this movie? Uh, no. There was apparently um, Dan Aykroyd at one point um, got upset because his um, his personal wardrobe assistant wasn't couldn't get past the gate. So he 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 threw a he threw a fit, got in a golf cart and started screaming profanities and then um, and then went and trashed the uh, security, the security um, office. Wow. I I actually like, threw, I did, like like unplugged the computer and threw it on the ground. Jesus. I didn't know that there's one one bit of trivia that I had remembered is that uh they had tried this previously as an animated TV movie. Yeah, there that was, makes sense. There yeah. was a Coneheads TV movie in 1983 that was I guess to serve as wow. a pilot for a yeah, show. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. The, <sighs> um, yeah. The other okay. just little bit of random trivia was that um, um, uh, Michelle Burke sometimes would, um, uh, 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 when on set, would try to um, to flirt with some with other with other guys on set, um, not re- forgetting that she was wearing her cone. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. That was very cute. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot sweeter than the other thing. Than everything about this movie, yeah. And, well, no, but, but, but lots sooner than what you said about Dan Aykroyd. Oh yes, yeah, about him being a maniac. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that tracks. Um, yes. So there we go. We did it. We talked about Coneheads. We're done. We're moving on to 
go to the greener pastures. No, we're not going to say that. But we're moving on to better things, things that we enjoy, things that we like, things that give us hope for the future. It's the dance craze sensation that's sweeping the nation. It's time for the What You Watching, Bud. Stick a hand in your head and tell me what you're watching, bud. I might be dead, but I can still watch what you're watching, bud. So, Galen, as our guest, I have to ask you, uh, I'll ask you first, what you watching, bud? Uh, recently, I um, I was uh, late to the game watching the um, the series on Netflix, uh, Beef, uh, with Stephen Yun and um, and Ali Wong. If you're kind of into the um, the trend in a lot of like uh, you know comedy dramas you know right now that's kind of this um this sort of what i call bad decision porn where where the um the the bad choices of the of the main cast just uh, just snowball um one after another it's um, absolutely addictive um infectious and has you hating your life and especially if you live in los angeles you know cuz i have um encountered or heard of or or heard tell of other people who have encountered just about everyone you know d- d- depicted in this uh series and uh yeah it is uh it is worth a watch bud all right perfect uh nathan what about you pal well buddy recently uh, as i said this the week of recording has been hectic but i did manage to get in a viewing of john wick chapter four Ooh. uh before everything got wacky uh, for me, and that was that was a lot of fun. Lots of lot. I I actually I I probably liked it a bit better than the second one actually. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. but, and there's lots of cool stuff in there. Uh, you know, I get to see Lance one last time, which is unfortunate. And uh, and I will say too, Nathan. I remember we talked about this. The three hours doesn't feel like three hours, does it? It did. No, it didn't. It yeah. did not. It everything just kept zipping right past me, bullets and all. Yeah. So yeah, John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, what I'm watching, buds, is uh, I watched a movie that uh, inspired a certain film director you may have heard of called Quentin Tarantino. Um, I watched a movie that he uh, really loves, and that movie is Lady Snowblood. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a movie that if you watch it, you will say, "Oh yeah." He watched this right before he made Kill Bill because it's a revenge tale. Um, it, the, when the blood is shed, the blood sprays like a geyser, much like mm-hmm. in Kill Bill. So in this movie, this woman is uh, raped and assaulted uh, by these group of men. Um, she eventually the, her revenge to that is to she basically sleeps around after that and tries to make and tries to get pregnant so she can have a daughter and have that daughter swear revenge. So that that's what happens. Now she obviously her goal is to grow up with a daughter, but she dies during childbirth. And so the movie is about this girl growing up and just coming after these people. And I mean, like when I say kill bill, I mean it like she has a list. She's like crossing people off. Um, The movie is sometimes not in order. Like there's, there's uh, the first scene is not necessarily the first scene. Um, and it's it's really good, man. It's it's bloody. It's violent. It's um and it's also just like it's not just you know dumb fun. There's also like a, a, some great emotional stakes, and mm-hmm. yeah, check it out, Lady Snowblood. There is a sequel as well, but I heard it's not quite as good. But this one is great, and I think you can watch it on the uh, Criterion Channel. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, um and and, uh, and and what a um what country does it hail from? It is a Japanese movie. Excellent. Yeah, when I said Tarantino, you probably had a thought that it might be. 
you know that he he has some uh, there, there's some trends in his uh, in um in in his taste. Yeah. 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 No, it's a Japanese movie, and so Excellent. it's got it's got subtitles. So if you don't like reading, um, reading's for yeah. losers. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, that's what I'm watching, bud. So now that we've gotten to the end of that, uh, I better do this properly this week because last week I got in a lot of trouble. Montrose Monkington, come on in, do your thing. Hello, it's your good friend Montrose Monkington the third here. Finally, I'm being afforded the respect I deserve. As a as a British chimpanzee puppet who reviews wrestling matches, uh, that's right. So you can see those reviews over on my YouTube channel, Montrose Monkington TV. You can be friends with me at the Facebook group, Montrose Monkington the Third, Esquire and Friends. And finally, if you wish to, you can tweet at me on your Twitter devices at Montrose the Third. That's the number three R D. Thank you. More later. <laughs> yeah thank you montrose you're welcome galen uh thank you for being on and talking oh. about uh the, the, heads. the heads of cones the uh, heads with of us. cones yeah yes. um is there anything that you would like to plug or mention or jerk off to or whatever ah wow um, i'm, I'm just i'm just giving the, you uh, options not that yeah Definitely not this movie. I would not recommend anyone. Um, you found this movie difficult to jerk off to? It was, you know, it tries I might. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I had to bring up multiple windows in order to, you know, um, uh, to reach uh, maximum pleasure. Right. You know. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, I would. Uh, what, 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 what's, what, what? I don't know. Um, there's, um, let's see. Well, we're. We're still in the um, we're still in the middle of a strike. Hopefully, we lo- uh, we lowly actors don't have to strike as well. But um, if we do, uh, just uh, you know, hope that we get paid correctly and aren't replaced by robots. That's what I would say. But thank yeah. you, Galen. Thank you for coming on and talking about Coneheads with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Now. Um... As we wrap up, um, I just want to say that if you want to find us, uh, if you want to find our podcast, which you already have done, uh, but if you want to find it again, because it's a game to you, uh, our home base is Age of Radio. Big time! You go to ageofradio.org slash what were they thinking. You can also find us on any other, any podcast app you want by searching for us there. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WWTT Podcast. Uh, Redbubble, T Public, same thing. WWTT Podcast. Patreon.com slash WWTT Podcast. Uh, lots of bonus episodes and other fun stuff there that you could sign up for. And other than that, though, uh, that is pretty much it. So uh, unless there's any questions from you, Nathan. Oh, I've got a couple. I oh, mean, uh-huh. and you, yeah. you're, I guess, the guy I would defer to for the Saturday Night Live info. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, bit, a bit of a mega fan. Um, bit, a bit, yeah. So in a movie kind of about yeah. a sketch that was originally done in 1975. Mm-hmm. And in a movie where they got the original actors to play the characters, most of them. Well, I mean the main ones, the the the, the, the Dan Eldar James and yeah, Dan Primate. James. Yep. Right. And in the movie that had a who's who of '90s comedic talent involved. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And they were only able to really write one joke and use it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Despite how allegedly talented uh, Dan Aykroyd is in the, in the realm of comedy. And they gave them $30 million to do it all with. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta know, man. Mm. What were they thinking? 